Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So good morning. If you're visiting, I'm not Dr. Jack. You're glad for that, right? But I always say, hold on, sugar's coming. He'll be here tonight. And, uh, but you know what we're having this morning, right? What are we having? Steak. Steak. Yeah, my favorite. It's your favorite too, right? Yeah. Amen. Uh, you know, I like what Andrew was saying uh, about uh, when he was saying about the jars, the savings jars that we would, some people maybe needed to seek God on wisdom for their finances. But dad just mentioned that in Proverbs. It links wisdom and money together. Never say that you have a money problem. No such thing as a money problem. Just wisdom problems. And the Bible says if you lack wisdom, you could ask for it and God would give it to all men liberally. That doesn't mean you have to be special or you just have to qualify. The only qualification is that you ask. Can you ask every day? Mm -hmm. I recommend it. Multiple times a day? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And God's not upset with your asking. So the more you ask for wisdom, the more you'll have it. So anytime that you you perceive a lack of uh, funding, like my dad would say, that you're impercunious, temporarily without funds, if you have an impercunity, um, you will want to just simply address a lack of wisdom. Lord, where, where am I not being a good steward? Nothing easier than to obtain the money, yes? You're simply trading your time dollars. So you want more money, you, you give more time dollars. You want more time dollars, you just increase the skill set. Maybe you go from 10 to 15. Nothing easier to obtain in the earth than money because earth runs on a monetary system. But the, with a wisdom issue is what we're doing with it when we obtain it, correct? Where are we putting it? Where are we not putting it? As Americans, we definitely have a, a, a difficult time discerning the difference between needs and wants. But the fastest way to cure that is go overseas. You're like, oh, an iPhone is actually not a need? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, something to eat that day would be, yeah, more of a need. So that's, there's a lot of ways that we can obtain wisdom. And, and you obtain wisdom in so many ways just going on the mission field. Amen? Okay, so uh, do we have that graphic? Uh, Chrissy for, okay, there you go. So there you go is the sermon title. So say this, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. Because Jesus told me to hold it. So when Jesus tells us to do something, the only thing we need to ask is, yes, Lord, how? How would you like that done? And when would you like that done? And God would be unjust if he asked us to do something that he didn't give us the provision to do. God is so good that anything he asks you to do, he says, I'm asking you to do this, but don't worry. I'm going to give you the ability to do it. Isn't he good? He's, I'm not asking for your weakness. I'm going to give you my strength. I'm not asking for your inability. I'm going to give you my ability. So God is always going to provide that. So anytime God gives us an instruction, we can get super excited about it. We don't have to do the, the don't ever cuss and say the word can't. Because that's a cuss word to heaven. Just because men define some words as curse words, God defines his own. There's no such thing as can't, there's only won't. Right? And, and the one thing you want to do is be honest and just say, yes, I can, because the Bible said I can do all things. But if you're not going to, just say, I won't. At least what, what God has with you is a platform of truth, which he can help you forward on. When we lie or deceive ourselves, you're kind of stuck in, in a rut there. So say, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. So how many of you were here when uh, Reverend Ann Durant was speaking? So she talked about uh, that the word receive meant to take. And how many times that we were just waiting around, I'm just waiting to receive. <laughs> and she defined that literally, if you look it up, the word receive means take. That means it wasn't passive. It required your participation. Um, and then pastor talked about last week about uh, rece- uh, keeping your healing. And so when we receive something, so let me use her example, Lexi, of that Bible. So God has got the fullness of what he wants to give me. And her demonstration was, well, I'm just waiting to receive it. And here Jesus is holding it out because that's what he said. He's already done his part. And unless I I got participatory, reached out and took it, was I going to get what God was offering me? And so uh, after you've figured out that you're receiving means that you're going to take it. uh, One thing I want to show you is what if I'm not, hold your Bible out, love. 
What if I'm, I can't reach it? Which one of us needs to move? <laughs> and so we're like, Jesus, I'm just praying, I'm asking, I've done my confessions, and da 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 and this is not working. You're in a danger zone of saying, God, you're a liar. God's perfect, so he's not the one that's going to do the changing. <laughs> he's not the one that's going to do the moving, adapting. Why do we ask God to move? Any scripture anybody have for that, that you could hold up your hand right now and say, Pastor Marie, I got the scripture that God told me to ask him to move. No, you got the move it, move it, move it job. In other words, God has already moved. He's moving constantly. But we're often given to sitting on our blessed assurances. And not, being, not singing the song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved, because I'm a bump on a log. And even if heaven opens and Jacob ladder hits me upside the head, I shall not be moved. <laughs> yeah, people, they're singing it like, that's what they mean. I'm not going to be moved. Yeah, and that's not a good thing. That's not how God meant it, for you to be, be stubborn and rebellious. So in other words, if I'm reaching... And I think I'm reaching, is God withholding? Do I need to adjust my position? Yeah, so I need to move. And so again, we have a wisdom, Lord, what is it, like my dad says, what is it about me that I don't see about me that I need to know about me so I can be a better me? So God, ask God, which way do I move? To the left, to the right, front or back? He'll position you, he'll answer you, but he'll let you just sit there and go on and on and on without being able to take something until you ask. Because God's a gentleman. He's not going to interrupt your train of thought that we're often so overly awed with. <laughs> Impressed with our own line of thoughts. So the first thing you want to do is get in position. The word will instruct you the proper position or protocol to take to receive things. It tells us the proper position you need to receive money. You need to tithe. You need to be a giver. In other words, if you give to the poor, you get this much. So it tells you the position to take. Some things you want from God, he says, the posture's humility. That means stop, drop, and roll, baby. Get on your knees. He'll tell you the position to move into to receive that which you're after. He's not withholding it from you. He wants you to have it so much that he said in Ephesians, I want you to know. That you might know. And then he gave instructions. So you're going to get into position. But then you got to do something. You have to participate and you have to take it. So now that we've learned in the last couple of weeks how to take something. And Pastor talked about keeping our healing. Uh, Jesus addressed many times on the New Testament this phrase. Hold fast. So he wanted me to hold on to something. And he indicated by his constant repetition that I was going to have to hold on to it. That meant if I'm holding on to something and I needed to hold fast to it, something or someone was coming to take it. And he told me to give constant attention. Now the challenge is what we want to do is we want to hold on to all kinds of things. Jesus, I'm holding on to your word, but I'm also holding on to my offense. I'm also holding on to my opinions. I'm also holding on to my unforgiveness. Hey, I'm holding on to this little plan I've had, you know, my three-year planner. I have these dreams and goals and these things I want that I've been asking you to open doors and bless you in my ministry <laughs> that no one recognizes. I got to go from church to church to find someone to recognize me. Yeah, we got all sorts of things that we're holding on to that Jesus did not give you and did not authorize to hold on to. And so at some point, you're going to have to let go of something. Because come here and take your Bible from me. Now, I, I'm going to fight her for a minute. Come on, Lexi. Don't be scared of me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm holding on. Oh, I'm holding on, but I don't want to let go of my other stuff. How easy it is for Satan to take something from you when your hands are full. We're all full of something. Here's the awesome news. You get to choose what you're full of. Yeah, and guess what? It's not a secret what you're full of because the moment you talk, we all know. Because <laughs> your mouth leaks. But if I'm holding on to nothing but this, Baby, try to take it. Yeah. Yeah, and your first thing I'm going to do is let go and knock her out with an elbow strike. And it's going to be over with. Yeah. 
Like some people don't respond to diplomacy, so we will resort to violence. My favorite scriptures, how many, the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent take it by force. Yeah. Jump back, chick. Yeah. So we're holding on. The Bible describes holding on like this. So let's turn in the scripture. And I want to show you, turn in your weapons manual to 1 Timothy. Aren't you glad you got out of bed and combed your hair? Came. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. How many of you notice that your mind leaks? It leaks. Yeah, so anybody ever forgot where they put their keys? And we were like, my keys are lost. Your keys are not lost. You're lost. (laughs) Uh, They're right where you left them. Just because you can't recall where you left them, your keys are not lost. When I lost 70 people on the side of Volcano Mission Field, I'm like, everybody's lost but me. Yeah, because that's the truth. I know where I am. They don't know where they are. Just because I don't know where they are doesn't make me lost. So your mind leaks. You, you might forget where you put your keys. You might forget where you put your phone. Sometimes, are you, have you ever talked on the phone and go, where's my phone? Yeah. yeah. Have you seen my glasses? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and that multitasking is not healthy. It, yeah, my dad said that to me one time, and I, I didn't know if he was joking or so. so I didn't mean... Do you mean this pair besides the one on your face? Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't know you were kidding me or, you know, so serious. Do you mean, do you have another phone besides the one you're talking about right now? Yeah. Hey, we've all done it. And so, and it's, it's, hey, it's not an age thing, people, so don't make fun. Yeah. In fact, uh, it seems to happen more to the younger people. Their attention span is shorter. So uh, your mind leaks. But one thing we don't want to forget is the Word of God. So the Word of God is on the inside of us and the renewing of our mind. But you all know the rule. Your mind stays renewed as long as your hair stays combed. Which is not very long, is it? If you live in Florida where there's wind and humidity, uh, or just go somewhere else where there's tornadoes and earthquakes and snow, yeah, your hair's not going to stay combed (laughs) through one day. So we can't say, yeah, I've heard that before. Faith don't come by heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Why? Because your mind leaks. Your mind does not stay renewed. It's like a two-year-old. We're going to say, I've said that a thousand times. Uh Uh-huh. Thousand and one. Here we go. Thousand and two. Here we go. So let's look and see what the King James says. Oh, Timothy, big O, this is Paul talking to him. Keep that which is committed to thy trust. That word keep in the Greek means obey and guard. So guasapa, the answer always lies within the question. (laughs) The word always answers itself. So when God says keep, That which is entrusted to you, he's going to immediately tell you what you have to do to keep something. The only way to keep this is to obey it. Obedience means there's keeping power functioning in my life. Holding on to it without obeying it, James said, hearing it, I got it, I got it, I heard it, I heard it, but you're not a doer means you're self-deceived. That means you are deluding yourself that you're hanging on. You're physically hanging on and you think you're hanging on. But if somebody's stronger, the enemy becomes stronger because you might have something, but you're weak and anemic. And so when he comes to take it, he can easily take it from your weak, frail arms that the muscles have atrophied on. So having something in your possession doesn't mean that you're strong enough to keep somebody from stealing it from you. So he told you the way you were going to keep it was you would guard it through obedience. That means this had to be, I'm keeping it here because I'm using it. I'm working it every day. I'm attending to the words. What does it say? Okay, now I'm going to do this. It's part of me. And so if I need to drive the car... I'm still holding it. If I need to wash the dishes, I'm still holding it. I'm attending to this. This is my manual. This is like an IV. You're not going to get real far from your IV. If your IV comes unhooked, you're going to die. So you need to treat this like you're wheeling around an IV. You're just not flashing anybody in the back with your little (laughs) hospital robe, okay? (laughs) Because none of us want to see any of that. But you're... You're wheeling around this IV. In other words, don't put it down. So if I tell, if I tell uh, Matt, I want you to uh, hang on to this for me and guard it. Let's say it's a camera on the mission field. He's like, okay. But he's got things to do. So he's like, hey, I'm a big guy. Set it down next to you. So he's got things to do with his hands. He wants to eat his breakfast. He wants to take notes or whatever. And I go, oh, and I turn around and go, don't let it leave your person. Now what do you do? 
We're not letting it leave. Stuff it. Wherever. We're stuffing it. We're doing things with one hand. It's not leaving this person. That's what God said. He didn't say, hey, hold on to it and just leave it in the room. Can't remember where we left it. Oh, I left my Bible in the car a week, which means you didn't do your personal devotion. Oh, I got three of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you consulted another translation. And uh, But when he got to, don't let it leave your person. That's a little bit different instruction. That means no matter, I don't care if I come back in 12 hours or I never come back. You don't put this down, right? You don't let it down. You don't set it on the table where someone can walk up and, and, and just take it away from you. So you were to hold it in that manner. He said, oh, Timothy, guard by obedience that which is committed to thy trust. In other words, God has given you his word, which is himself, entrusted it into your care. He is coming back, it says in Revelation, to find out what you did with it. What did you do with his precious word, his son? It's a person. What did you do with it? I'm going to extract an account of you. Guard and keep that which I've committed or deposited on the inside of you. And he, he tells you, now this is, how do we do that? This is the way. Avoiding profane and vain babblings. What are profane and, and vain babblings? That sounds really strong. Uh, stuff that does not produce the God kind of life. Gossip. Idle chit-chat. Spoken. Listen to or read with your eyes, I would say especially on Facebook, that you were to turn away from that, that you were to avoid it, and you were to actually deflect it. So deflection is different than blocking. If if Melanie were going to throw a punch at me, I would do a block. It would be an automatic instinctive muscle memory block. But if she were going to throw a punch at me and my sensei said, I want you to deflect that, not block it, I would block and turn to the side where she would now be open to my strike. I turned it aside and deflected it. It wouldn't be sufficient to block it because they still can come at my front. So he's saying, I want you to deflect away from you any of that. That means if somebody comes up to you, did you hear? Right then, right then, there, out of my way. Don't even look at them this way. Just step on by. I don't want to hear anything about anybody. Even as a pastor who does, uh, I'd say 99.9% of the the counseling because it's just generally women, uh, if somebody comes to me and they want to discuss another person, I immediately have to stop them to be biblical and say, Matthew 18, 15 is our protocol. It says that you are to go to them. So before you commence discussion with me about Mrs. Smith, did you follow one? Because I can only be two. Well, no, I didn't do that. Well, we can't discuss that. What else would you like to talk about today? Or yes, I have the number two. Now, let me remind you what the role of number two is. It's not to hear in this room. It's to hear in front of both of you. So that what you say in front of me is what you're willing to say in front of them. So I can't listen to it, but it's no different to me biblically. Just because when the Bible was written, we didn't have Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Didn't give me permission to go, oh, listen to that. Block, unfriend, unfollow. Therapy. Yeah, anybody use those buttons as often as I do? Because I don't, I am not permitted if I'm going to keep in guard as my life dependent on that which has been entrusted and deposited in me, my eye gate and ear gate cannot be a trash bin for other people's vain babblings either. Now, I'm responsible for my own vain babblings. I don't mean that we can't talk about the latest lipstick and what ball team won. I don't know who's playing or what season this is, but I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I can't even guess. And so, uh, you know, I'm not saying that those, I'm talking about vain babblings and profane discussion. Uh, The Bible says, what's empty that doesn't produce the God kind of life. But know this according to the word, no such thing is not producing. Whatever you say produces life or death. So it's producing for you. But God didn't want you to say anything that didn't produce the God kind of life because you're sowing that into your own life and the lives of others. But far, far more you. Amen? Amen? So let's go on. He said crossing the doorway. In other words, God said you crossed the line. There's a boundary there. When you went profane and vain babblings, you crossed the line. You either let somebody else cross the line into your space that you're supposed to have boundaries, or you cross that doorway. You crossed out of God's doorway into an ungodly doorway, or vice versa. You let somebody cross in to you, and then we were to deflect that. We were not to permit that. 
and don't listen to oppositions or conflicts, theories of science and knowledge that are falsely so-called. A lot of theories out there that people have about the Bible. I, I, I want to believe the best of them that they haven't even read it because I don't want to believe that you can be that stupid and still breathe. Yeah. Uh, that, that I was thinking, well, they just haven't read it. So, uh, but you know, there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity. Ignorance means you haven't learned. A stupid means you chose. And stupid is forever, right? Because it was a choice. Ignorance can be undone. Not one of us uh, can't learn something more about the word or about any area of life that you uh, want to. But stupid is a choice. And, uh, the Bible calls, that has a different word for that, which is much stronger. Proverbs repeats it often. It says fool. So here's a transliteration about that verse. Guard by obeying the word of God that has been deposited in your mind and spirit through your eye and ear gate by avoiding turning from gossip, empty conversations, both spoken, listened to, and read. Deflect conflicts and theories of things falsely called truth. Don't speak them, read them, or listen to them, and you will guard the treasure on the inside of you that produces life for you and others. That, now you see why Paul started with a capital O. Strong admonition to Timothy, who was his son in the faith, and a pastor on some life preservation there. Say, I'm going to hold it. You know, because our mouths leak. Our mind leaks and our mouths leaks. And so every time you open your mouth in a vain babbling, the Bible just told you the treasure deposited on the inside of you just lost some more of it. Now you just lost some more of it. And now you just lost some more of it. So it's not just a matter of giving people a piece of your mind, which I wouldn't. You have very few pieces left. But you are literally now, I mean, we kind of laugh about that. And it is true. And and we try to make it funny because other than that, it would be tragic. But every time you open your mouth, you are either depositing more in this treasure box called an earthen vessel that's the Ark of the Covenant, or you are letting out some glory. Letting out, letting that treasure go, letting that treasure go. And thinking, oh, I know that, I remember that. No, leaking out, leaking out. So the mouth either takes in food or it vomits it up. So our minds leak and our mouths leak. So we're going we're gonna to do what? We're going to hold it. We're going to hold on to it. Uh, And so let me say it like this. The speed of thought is 268 miles per hour, speed of thought, which is 4.46 miles per minute. They may have an Apple watch or a stopwatch or a, a thingy, a phone that can do a minute. So it takes, the speed of thought means my house is four miles from the church. Uh, if I think a thought, in one minute, it goes from here to my house, four miles. So when you think a thought, it goes four miles down the road into your future. So the speed of sound, which is your words, goes at this speed, 770,269 miles per hour. A little bit faster? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's 12,837.82 miles per minute. So what does that look like? I went Florida to California, back to 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 Florida in one minute. I went coast to coast. So now you see when I say, boom, it rang. Yeah. One minute, your words went to California and back four times. Speed of words. Speed of words a little bit faster than speed of thought. Yeah, let's find out what the speed of light is. 670,616,629 miles per hour. So, what is that? 7.5 times circumventing the globe in one second. One one thousand. God is light. The, the first chapter of John and, and chapters two and three speak much of who's the light. Light is not a substance, it's a person. Just circumvented the globe seven times. Hmm, number of perfection. So God is not limited to time. That's how he's in eternity and omnipresent because one 1,007 more times, one 1,014 times, one 1,028 times circumvented the globe. In three seconds, which is hardly long enough for you to form a sentence, that's what, what he's doing. Going Florida to California, hoping that you say something that he can confirm. Because he's in your past, your present, and your future. He's, I'm watching over my word. 
And so when he asked us to take our thought and cast it down, did we have the ability to stop? Because thought was moving the slowest. Now I realize that our mouth is moving faster than our mind by a lot farther. And so, well, I just speak before I think. You don't have to. Yes, that probably is a statement of truth for some people or truly stated by you. But God said we had the ability. So when he said cast down a vain imagination, he meant you had long enough to think a thought a minute to go, let me right now measure that thought. That either lines up with the word, so I want to say it because God's out there waiting because I'm going to perform my word only. Please say something that's in my word. Okay. So uh, who's got a timer? Time me. Let me give you an example. Okay, so tell me, go for one minute. Okay, so I'm noticing this walnut billboard, and as I was driving down the highway, I thought, walnut bowl, stop here for sale. What's a walnut bowl? Is it A, a bowl full of walnuts? B, is it a bowl of walnut wood? C, is it a bowl made of walnut shells? Roman numeral number two, is it a utilitarian item? Roman numeral number three, is it a decorative item? Is it a decorative item A, should it be on the mantle? Is it a decorative item B, it should be filled with candy? How is it displayed if it's utilitarian? Is it a kitchen item? I don't like wooden kitchen items because you can't put water in them. I only think like things that are sanitized in the dishwasher with really hot water and soap. So it, it seems like it's very valuable. Should I stop? Is it an heirloom? Is it willable to my children? Is this really important? Do I need to know what a walnut bowl? Somebody has taken great expense for one hour and put billboards all up and down I-44 in Missouri telling me last chance to get a walnut bowl. Should I die without a walnut bowl? Tell me when I'm done. And so I don't know what a walnut bowl is, but we could get on uh, the encyclopedia and research it because see, when I had this conversation with myself, we didn't have Google. If we had Google and computer, I just wrote you a whole LCU syllabus that it will take you days to research. <laughs> One minute. See, see the tangent in our mind, the miraculous mind that God gave you. Now that's what we'll do. Oh my God, here's what we do. Oh my gosh, I need a new job. I don't know what to do about my job. I'm just totally stressed out. I don't know if I have the skill sets. I need this much money an hour, but nobody wants to hire me. It's taken me too long and I'm really stressed out and I'm really worried. Should I go to school and get more skill sets? But I don't know how I'm going to pay for that. Uh, you know, I, I just, I need, I need, I need, I need we're, we're just addressing our needs and we're so stressed out and we don't know what to do about that. And then we don't even stop and think, what does God's word say about that? We run at the, our mouth and God sits there with his hands tied because you're not holding on to the word. But what if we took that thought and we said, that's a vain imagination. It's exalting itself above truth, the word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar, including me. So here's what I'm going to do because God is going to circumnavigate the globe 60 times in my one minute because he did it seven times in a second. Six times seven is what? 42. So 420 times he can confirm what I just say in a minute. So I'm going to say this. God, I thank you that you're the God that's more than enough. That you're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You're the God that foresees and provides. You've gone to the end of my life from the beginning. And I don't care what I need. You've already seen it. You've already provided it. So I say what you say. I don't say what I see. I don't say what I feel. You're more than enough. And you can give me favor. A thousand days of labor is not worth as much as one day of favor in your sight, Lord. So I worship you. I praise you. I thank you for my job. I thank you for favor. I thank you that angels have gone before me to prepare the way, that I have divine appointments and divine connection. You bless everything I put my hand to. So I'll get off my butt and I'll work 40 hours a week at finding a job. And what if I said that? How many things did I just give God to work with? into my future. How hard is that? And so that's, God, I'm holding on to your word like my life depends on, but not just my life, the life of everyone around me. Because whether I work matters to whether I eat or whether everybody else behind me eats. So the speed of thought, the speed of words, and the speed of light matters. God is omnipresent. So can we cast down a thought? The Bible calls your thoughts reasonings. Um... We don't need Satan to tell us what we think and feel. <laughs> what I'm seeing, that doesn't look good. What I'm feeling, that doesn't feel good. But here's our opportunity. I have enough time to pause because the speed of thought is slow enough for me to go, I know what I'm saying and I know what I'm feeling, but God, your word says. And, and I, faith is not a denial of what I'm seeing and feeling. Faith is a decision to believe God says over what I see and feel. That's all it is. And you know what? That's why they call it blind faith, because you can't see. Because seeing is not believing. Believing means I get to see. That means God's already done his part. That's why he's waiting on me. You're not waiting on him. 
So what if we understood who we're dealing with? Go to Revelation 1.8. Revelation 1.8. Who is backing this up? Who is he? I love this verse because God speaks in the first person about himself. First thing he says is, I am. That is a singular, first person, emphatic statement. If you're doing grammar, he says, I'm here, I exist, I'm first, and I'm last. He speaks it also in the second person, both masculine and feminine, testifying of self as only he is qualified to do. That word I am also means this, that, one, he, she. In other words, I am, I'm the this you need, I'm the that you need, I'm the he this you need, I'm the she that you need, whatever it is, I am. Yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm the only one that can testify of myself because you didn't create me. I was already here. So he, start, he starts off with two words that take you to the cosmos, eternity, past, present, and future, and back. It's called the circle of life. Boom. It rang, right? Then he goes on, and just in case you weren't clear, he says, I'm the alpha, which means the origin of all things and the first letter of the alphabet. Notice that God is not the only the origin of all things. He's the first letter of your alphabet. So you had the opportunity to begin every word and every sentence with his authorization or your own. That's why I said there's no such thing as can't. There's only won't. Because he's even in your alphabet. And then he said more. I'm the omega. I'm the final letter, the last letter of the alphabet. That means every word that you chose to form, it would be framed in the I am itself if you so chose. Or you can make up your own words and you can talk like the God of this world, the God of lack, the God of can't, the God that wants to take what Jesus told you to hold on to. So the holding on sounds like a big job, but actually it's the easiest job in the world because you only had one job. And, and holding on to things is actually probably more about what you were willing to let go of. Like I showed you. It's easy to hold on when you have one thing to hold on to. But our problem is, is we've decided that we would hold on to a lot of other things. Uh, and that's a lack mentality. Well, if I let this go, if I let some money go or I do this, I may not have enough. So I've got to have 50 towels in my linen closet instead of five. No one can use 50 towels in their lifetime. But some people, you can't pry it out of a hand. I've been involved with organization and, and cleaning out some people's uh, linen closets. That's why I know. I could not pry that out of their grasp little hands to save their ever-loving life. I had to sneak it out into the trash in a dumpster. Yeah, and don't think I won't because I'm saving your life because the towels are drowning you. And, and multiply that by a thousand other items in a home. Yeah, hoarding is from a spirit of lack. That's the God of this world. When God said, hey, not only do I have more than enough, there's more than where that, that came from. So give me something first. You ask a woman for, for her last meal. Yep, give it to me first and you will never run out. He said, I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. The conclusion of all things, the supreme authority, which is and was and is to come, the almighty, all-ruling, absolute, universal, sovereign, omnipotent, and all-powerful. So God is only not omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at once. He's omnipotent. That means he has all power. And he's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. Did, did we leave anything out? Yeah. <laughs> Knows everything, can do everything, and is everywhere. So you might want to hold on to that person who is a person, not a, not a piece of paper. It's a, it's a him. It's Jesus. So is it worth putting everything else down but him? Amen. Well, I've just given up everything for Jesus. That's the smartest thing you've ever done. What, two catfish in a boat? That's what he told Peter. Yeah, whatever you think was so big. What, you gave up your lack for his everything? Yeah, yeah. You, good. You just got started then. Because if you have God, you had everything. Whatever you had was not even enough for you much less anybody else. The five loaves and two fish were that boy's whole lunch. Guess who took home the leftovers? Yeah. Who do, who do you think took home the 12 baskets? Yeah, he did. Because the law of sowing and reaping is multiplication. So, obviously, let's talk a little bit more about how. Turning your weapons manual to Isaiah. So, God gives you a demonstration by doing it. He wants you to do it just like this. I like to do that too. I like to show you what, it, what does it look like. God is a good father. 
You ever had a, a father, maybe a teacher, a mentor that said, hey, watch me. Do it just like this. Maybe it was riding a bike. Maybe it was your chemistry experiment. Maybe it was your algebra equation. A good teacher says, watch me. Watch me, Nene. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I've, and so they want you to watch. So God's the same way. Look, listen. I'm going to teach you auditorially. I'm going to teach you visually. And then I want you to do it, which is kinetic. So you can commit it to memory so it doesn't leak out. And so God's like, this is how I want you to do it. So he always demonstrates, Isaiah 46.10. Again, God speaking in the first person through the prophet Isaiah. Declaring the end from the beginning. So that word declaring means this. God says, stand up boldly in front. In front of what? In front of yourself, in front of the enemy, in front of the angels, in front of all of hell, in front of the earth, and in front of your circumstance. Stand up boldly out loud in front and declare and do this. This is what he says. Announce, predict, praise, expound, fully, plainly, professing, rehearsing, and reporting the end from the beginning, the future from the present, things not yet done. So what did God tell you to do? In the middle of your circumstance, which you view as lack, stand up, open your mouth out loud, and say what I tell you. Repeat after me. I'm going to tell you the end from the beginning. I don't care if it looks like there's no money in my bank account. I declare it full. Because God is omnipresent. And he's already gone into my future and come back to tell me about it. In Jeremiah, I know the plans. Why does he know the plan? Because he would only saw it. He formed it. He wrote it. He's like, by the way, I wrote it. I saw it. I finished it at the end. I've come back. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> and he keeps circumventing your world seven times. Perfection and completion every second that you draw breath. Waiting for you to reposition yourself a little bit to the left so that you'll take it and hold on for the ride. Because what is the ride? Did you not read Elijah when he was taken by a whirlwind up into heaven? You want a ride, a sweet ride? How many of you like roller coasters? I do as long as I go in one direction, fast. No slowing down, going backwards, or hanging upside down, because that ceases to be fun, right? <laughs> the direction needs to be forward and fast, otherwise we feel it, and we don't want to feel that, right? Don't you love roller coasters? Because it's the only place socially acceptable where you can laugh and scream compulsory at high volume, relentlessly, without being put in a straitjacket. <laughs> but once you get off, that's not socially acceptable behavior down there at the hot dog stand. <laughs> yeah. But on a roller coaster, you can do both as loud as you want. So if you want some stress relief, ride a roller coaster. Uh, somebody needed help with that. There's Bush Gardens if you need it this afternoon. From ancient times, the things that are not yet done. In other words, there are things in your life that you're believing for that are not yet done and accomplished within your sight. But God said they've already been done from the end, from the beginning. They're more real. It's just you need to step on in to the forwardness of it. Look, I haven't seen it yet. Just keep on barreling. Just keep on barreling. Where is destiny? On the road to obedience. Destiny is not a destination. It's a journey. It's an everyday. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I don't have to like it. I, feel, I had somebody call me a few months ago with a, 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 an idea. Don't Who loves it when people have ideas for you that are work? Well, I just thought that this would be a good idea for you. And I was like, well, if God told it to you, not to me, why are you calling me? I have two years of work on my desk right now that I cannot get to. <laughs> but Proverbs Psalm says the job, a reward for a job well done is more work. So guess who got the project? Uh, but when I first uh, was invited to create this project from scratch, which had not been done, it's monumental, and I'm working on it right now, literally. I'm like, uh, I don't want to do that, Lord. I don't have time for that. I don't want to do that. Uh, and, I, and I thought, this is, this is probably just not going to work out with, with these people. And so I began to uh, commence this project when I returned from the mission field. And, and sure enough, it didn't quite work out in the direction that somebody wanted me to take it in. So I went to the Lord and I said, um, do you want me to do this anyway? Because I'm kind of feeling that. You know, this knowing thing. That, oh, God's not trying to antagonize you, but he's also not interested in what you think and feel about everything. And he needs to be able to trust you that that's not how you measure everything. Oh, I just feel like it's God. 
God or I don't feel like that's God. God doesn't talk to me about feelings because I don't talk to him about feelings. He just asked me, I don't want to do that, Jesus, but I will. Come on. Is there no one else? You know, it's kind of our conversations. Um, and so he asked me to do that. Yep, you want to do that? Okay, great. Now I have to go tell my husband. I think the Lord wants us to do that. You know, let me just see what he says. Because if he's not in agreement, he's the boss, and I'm missing it. And that'll be good. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Anybody ever have times you hope you're missing it? Okay, then you're not doing enough. Okay. <laughs> And so he's like, yeah, we need to do that. I said, okay, I'm going to have to call my son. I'm going to have to involve people all over the world. And I think this will take me 12 to 24 months. So I called somebody back that had made, uh, that was on the party line of the original one. By the way, it was their party and not mine. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, commence this project and I'm going to do it with unusual JMM excellence. And it's going to take me 12 to 24 months, but it needs to be done. It needs to be released in the earth. And so we're going to do it. But then I told him, I said, I've given you an uh, uh, update because I love you, respect you, and because you, you asked about this so that you wouldn't hear it uh, in the wrong way. But by the way, don't call me with any more projects. Now I have three years, thanks to you. Yeah, next time God visits you for something, then, then you either do it yourself or pray for somebody in Nepal to do it. <laughs> lose my number. But you know what the saying is, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Okay. So uh, in other words, can God call on you is what I'm trying to say. And he doesn't have to sift through all your opinions, all your feelings, even the ones you try to encapsulate in spiritualness going, I don't feel led. Well, he might just hand you a bullet and say, here, do you feel led? Yeah, so you can feel some lead. Um, so God's going to con consult you if, you're not, if it's not difficult. Yeah, he's going to help you. Oh, you haven't felt lead. Let me help you. Okay, now, do you feel that lead? Okay, good. Can we get started? Yeah. So he said, uh, this is how I want you to do it. I want you to declare the things that, that are not done. Uh, answer, accomplish, fulfilled, challenge, command. My counsel, advice, my word shall stand. Rise up, remain again, strengthen and succeed, and I will do all my pleasure and purpose. In other words, when you're standing and declaring, it's not about your pleasure and purpose. So do, do I have to bring faith to those things that God asked me to do? Uh-huh, because I don't want to. It's not even within my ability. And just the thought fatigues me. Because when, if you're tired, immediately you know you're in the flesh. That's not a measuring device for going, oh, I don't think that's God because I don't feel passion. And don't we always need to feel passion about what God asks us to do? Yeah, uh, yeah Elijah was running from Jesse because he felt real passionate about that. Uh, Job was running from what God asked him to do because he was just so full of passion about the plan of God. Can you please show me one prophet in the Old Testament that was not putting on running shoes and the best Nikes they could find in the opposite direction of the request of God because they felt warm fuzzies. Anybody got any warm fuzzy scriptures? Yeah. So God's not, you're not going, oh, I just, yeah, that just fires me up. You know what fires me up? What, what, when the Bible said there's fire shut up in your bones, that's understanding that you get up every day and draw breath that someone doesn't bust hell wide open because you're not busting hell wide open. That's it. That's the be all and end all of it. Does changing dirty diapers in the nursery and, and cleaning the toilets uh, give me warm fuzzies? Going to the mission field and dragging 70 people, half that want to be there, half that want to ride a roller coaster? of emotions. Let me tell you the most inconvenient place is to have emotions in a foreign country with 70 people. <laughs> uh, I don't have warm fuzzies about anything, so I'm helping you. When God wants you to start declaring, he wants you to set aside your body and your soul and start declaring so that he can confirm his word. Not your feelings, not your thoughts, not your opinions. Those are hindrances when you have them in the way of spiritual things. They were given to you by God to partner the soul was to follow your spirit. Shall we say it that way? To get in line. In other words, body, let's go. We got work to do. Uh, mind, will, and emotions, let's go. When the spirit, I, is the boss and says, this is what we're doing, those things become my servants rather than my master. Like that's it. Money is to serve you. Not to, you are not to serve it. You are not to serve your body. Do whatever you need to to make your body your servant, not your master. Do whatever you need to do to get your soul to be your servant, not your master. Some people's minds and their mouths are ruining their lives because they're letting their soul, their mind, their will, their emotions, which is released out of their mouth, dominate and rule and terrorize and ter trash their own lives. 
when their spirit man is more than able to dominate that. Amen. Amen. Because God is right there waiting for you to partner with him. So what did God ask us to hold on to? So can we take a thought captive? Say, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold it. So let me read a couple scriptures to you rather than turning to all of them. What did God ask us to hold? In Job 27, Job said, I hold fast. In Proverbs 4, 13, it says, take fast hold of instruction. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. 2 Timothy 1, 13, hold fast the form of sound words. Hebrews 3, 6, if we hold fast confidence and rejoicing of the hope, firm. Notice that God is only telling us what to hold on to, how to hold it firmly. That meant that somebody was going to come take it once a week, once a month. No, every hour of every moment of every day. You have an enemy. See, one thing that Satan is, is not is a slacker. He actually believes parts of the word more than most Christians because he works very hard, very diligently, doesn't need to sleep, doesn't take any time off on taking that which God has given you. But he can't unless you let him. God has given you how much power? All power, all authority. Jesus doesn't have the keys, so don't ask him for the keys. He said, I'm giving you the keys. So you have the keys. So he goes on to tell you some other things. Hebrews 4.14, hold fast your profession. Do you know your profession is different than a confession? It's synonymous, but what we just learned in Isaiah was that you were to profess, this is what I believe. It's different than our little confession list. Our confession lists are things that we're, we're confessing into being through our mouth that lines up with the word, but there are moments when you do that stand and declare, I profess that I don't care what I see and what I feel, I believe. And if I die in faith, like my fathers and mothers in the faith, then I died believing God and pleasing God, and there's no other way to die. If you're going out, go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. And, and, and God will be pleased. And if it's too early, he'll probably go, what are you doing here? Yeah, and he'll send you back. You have to finish your job. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Notice it says without wavering. If God tells you to do something without wavering, does that indicate to you that you had the propensity to waver? Yeah, the Bible talks about you wavering, being tossed to and fro by every slight wind of doctrine. Notice he didn't say false doctrine. That means you could just run around, even as a Christian, just eating at the buffet of the body of Christ and being tossed about by doctrine and never focus and never fill your destiny. If I ate at every restaurant in this town, I would be eating out every day, every meal of the day, and I wouldn't be able to fit through the front double doors. So that would not benefit me, but we do that spiritually and we wonder why we don't grow. Because when I eat at a buffet, I always regret it. Ooh. Yeah, I've never been disciplined a day in my life at all you can eat buffet. Yeah, I always regret that. <laughs> Revelation uh, 2 says this, but that which you already have, hold fast. That means if we think, I heard it, you think you've got it that you could lose what you already have. Anybody ever read Matthew 25? That which you had will even be taken from you and given to another that was holding fast. So even what you hold on loosely, that song, hold on loosely. That was the devil. Yeah, we need not to sing that stuff. God told you to hold that in a manner that was fast. But hold on to what you already have until I come. So how long? Until until he comes. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast in Revelation 3.3. 3, he says repent. So repentance is a key to holding on. Repenting for our, and again, letting go of those things. The bitterness, the unforgiveness, your personal plan that you've called God. Because you've had it in your mind for so long, you can no longer tell the difference between your thoughts and his thoughts. When Hebrews 4.12 says, his word will divide between you and him. It's really easy to tell the difference. Is that me or is that God? We'll get out the word. The sword cuts the soul and the spirit uh, between each other so that we're not confusion. Confusions of the enemy, amen? Revelation 3.11, hold fast thou what you have, let no man take thy crown. Um, if Jesus says, let no man take your crown, can your crown be taken from you? Yeah. Doesn't that contradict the once saved, always saved? Uh-huh, because that would be false doctrine. 
because that would override your free will. And so that crown, it, uh, there's many crowns, and we could talk about that another day. Crown of uh, soul winning, righteousness, etc., that you're going to present to the king. So if we go through those verses and we find out what are the things that God told us to hold on to, we could say this. He told us to hold on to instruction. He told us to hold on to teaching knowledge uh, the commands and the mandate. He told us to hold on to things that are good. What's good? Philippians 4.8. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, whatever's going on in your life, that's your measuring device. Is it good? Is it lovely? Is it a good report? Is it virtuous? Is it praiseworthy? I'm to think on these things. And sometimes the only thing you can think of on that list is Jesus himself and his word because there's nothing else that qualifies for that list. So good. That means that all you've got is you're holding on to Jesus and the word. Anything else, let go. You're not even to think on it. The thing is, if you're not thinking on and it won't come out your mouth. Stop trying to put duct tape over your mouth and deal with the heart. Out of the heart, the mouth speaking. It's the inside. We're living life from the inside out, right? Remember I preached on center mass. You were to hold on to sound words. I mean, any words that are not sound, rooted here, that you were to let go of, they either came out your mouth or went in your ears. You were to hold on to confidence. Who? Confidence in who? Jesus. God never once asked you to trust men. Well, I just can't trust anybody. Yourself probably first. Yeah, God said, have faith in God. Trust God. So you trust the God of the universe, not in humans. Rejoicing. You were to hold, if you were to hold on to your rejoicing, then you could easily let that go. How many of you find that joy leaves kind of easily? Yeah. That means we weren't holding on to something. If joy left us, and, and, and I'm preaching to me too, preaching to the choir. If joy left us and we're going through a day and we're like, I don't feel joyful. Okay, first of all, right there, remind yourself, joy is not a feeling. Okay, it's a choice. It's a person. It's an attribute of the fruit of my recreated spirit. So I didn't lose joy. It's in there. I let go of joy. I didn't lose joy. There's a big difference. Joy did not leave me because it's on the inside of me. It can't leave me. So I forgot to dip down and draw up when I wanted to think and feel about my circumstances. I forgot joy himself. Hey, why can't I just sing praises? I sing praises to your name because you're good. Joy's returned because joy didn't leave. And it's that easy. Redirect what I'm looking at. So whatever you're looking at. Anybody ever been driving the car? And they were just looking at the walnut bowl sign. <laughs> they don't know how you crashed into the semi. Yeah, you, your life goes where you're looking. Yeah, what you're looking at. We have to look at the, God told you to keep your eyes on something particular because your eyes on the wrong thing would put you in the gutter or put you in the ditch. So he said, hold on to hope. That means if he told you to hold on to hope, that, you, that, that hope can be taken from you. But in the Bible, what he's saying is nothing can be taken from you unless you let it go. Satan ha is under your feet. So what you do is you let him out of the pit, out from under your feet. You, got, you, were put, you need to reposition yourself. Yeah, whoops, <laughs> let the lid off pit of hell. Yeah, because you were moving in the wrong direction. Just readjust. Just get right back in a position. He said, hold on firmly. Hold on to your profession, your open public declaration. No such thing as silent prayer. Prayer means oration. So literally it means by its very nature, one has to open its mouth and something, some sound has to come out. It's got to break the sound barrier. Uh, already, no wavering. Wavering means fluctuating, being in doubt. I don't know if this is working. I've been saying it for six months. I don't see it. You just dug up the tomato seed. And now you got, yeah, and now you got to sort of, don't, no matter what, don't dig it up. That's why it's helpful to write these things down. On January 1st, I said this. This would be my confession. So just keep on saying it. Don't be like, let me just dig it up. I'm not sure that that's working right. Anybody ever done that in the kitchen? I'm like, I'm following the directions, but I, I don't know this how this is supposed to look. I don't know what it's supposed to look like because I've, I've, I've never done it before. So is that supposed to look like that? <laughs> in my kitchen, that's a common phrase. <laughs> if it gets used at all. Normally, it's just the coffee pot and I know what that's supposed to look like, feel like, taste like, and everything. It's a safe appliance for me. Somebody was over the other day and they had to, to, to figure out my oven and I couldn't help them. <laughs> now, are you doing right? I don't know. No more than me. Yeah. It's finicky, but still, it's unused. It's probably that way because it's unused. You don't use it, you lose it, right? So you were to hang on to repentance. You were to hang on to your crown. This is what a crown means. An ornament worn on the head by kings and princes as a badge of regal power, government, or executive authority. So can Satan take your crown if you let him? 
Can Satan take your authority today if you let him? Yeah, he, he, didn't ha- he didn't have the authority unless you let him. So in other words, he's saying, don't let any man take your crown. And, and he's talking about mankind, and, and people are not your enemies. He's talking about the, en- the enemy, which are not people. It's Satan. Don't let him take your crown of authority today. You need to walk in the full governmental power of your authority. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You need to exercise that. Are you with me? Okay. Notice, and, and he says those things three times in Hebrews and Revelation. So as he gets to the end of the book, anybody, your boss or your parent, anybody start reminding you more towards the end of something? Hey, don't forget this before you go. You're packing for camp. Don't forget this. And so God, as he's nearing the end, starts repeating it more often. Hey, hang on to it. And then he finishes it with his repetition increasing in Hebrews and Revelation. Hey, and by the way, don't let Satan take your crown of authority. So if he increases repetition, that means we need to really pay attention. That means if you weren't sure you are living in the last days, I'll tell you today, you are living in the last days. So this is more informative to you than anyone that's ever lived before you. He's speaking more to you about not holding on because you had the chance to let it get snatched out of your hands more than anybody. Because as grace gets poured out, wrath gets poured out, right? Okay, so uh, letting go of something, offense, right? Matthew 6, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? So one way we let go of things is we become flippant or casual. Like I said in the Bible, oh, I'm holding on to it, but I'm going to put it, I'm just going to put it down. It's okay. I don't need to hold on to it. I've got it. I remember all that stuff. When we become casual, or the Bible talks about offense being familiar, they were familiar with Jesus. Hey, isn't that just Joseph's son? Who does he think he is? That's a carpenter's son. And it says they became familiar with his imperfections as a man, not as impurities, but as imperfections as a man. And every time we do that with a pastor or spiritual authority or a boss, we become familiar. That means we become casual and informal towards that. You have just cut your own nose off to spite your face. You have stood on your own air hose, your own water hose of the supply, the dominant supply of your life that came through the blessing of authority, the person signing your paycheck or the person you leading into your future through the word of God. When we become casual about the things of God. So offense will cause you to to lay something down because you've become casual or familiar. It's like uh, my husband used to teach, teach martial arts. Um, before Jesus told him it would be really hard for him to tell him about Jesus and punch him in the face at the same time. <laughs> and so at some point, I mean, in the beginning, that worked real well. He could lead him to the Lord. But now it, he, he, when he was going on the road, he couldn't really punch people in the face and then get them saved afterwards. Um, and so I don't know why I got their attention. I thought it was a good method. <laughs> and, uh, but I was his best student. But um, he would... Uh, train people and then we would have to go into the local uh, taekwondo or whatever facility, uh, karate, there's different types, you know, Shotokan and stuff to let our students test out because, you know, they wanted the pretty little belts. They wanted to see what, what belt do I get? And so, interesting thing would happen is that uh, our students would go into the classroom and we would uh, tell them, we think our students about this level, you want to put these type of students to uh, spar with them so we can test them out and get the belt. And so, if we thought they were uh, yellow belt and, and they would put in a yellow belt, and I always say, put one level above them if it's green so that they can be stretched a little bit in there. And so, what would happen is our students with, with no belts, because we just did the real life stuff at the house or in the backyard, and um, the student with the green belt, it would generally be just a few seconds and it's over with uh, in the ring. And so what we learned is that many people who were going to trainings of any, and this would take place in any, you could, any sports, any arena, and we're all going through trainings. Maybe we've run our laps in the football field. Maybe we've been out there um, hitting the pads and we've done a lot of things, or maybe we shot hoops, but we haven't actually come up against a real opponent. So everything we've learned in the classroom of life, we've sat there and we've done all our caught forms. We've gone to the mirrors and back and we've performed it perfectly. But then somebody comes out of nowhere and jacks your jaw and you're on the ground. And where did your 21 self-defense techniques go? <laughs> it doesn't work real well if there's no opponent. But when an opponent comes in life, when the person is next to you that you're going to race against or uh, the, the, the quarterback on the opposite team that he's now not a little padded metal piece out in the field, he's a big guy, he's mat size, and he's coming at you with everything he's got. Some people could probably succeed, but they froze up because they never took a hit before. So they don't know what that feels like to get hit and then recover. And we see the Apostle Paul, uh, this long list, hey, I've been, I've been whipped, I've been stoned to death, they had to raise me from the dead, and I was floating a night and a day in the deep, and I went and we're like, 
Okay, and he said, these are just momentary light afflictions. And so whatever you're going through, go to the driftwood. Are you floating around in the ocean on a piece of driftwood for a full 24 hours? Anybody ever been there? Then we haven't suffered. Even light afflictions yet. <laughs> so it's all measurable. Paul said, this is a momentary light affliction. Words, this is going to pass. So what was Paul hanging on to? Holding fast to the word. Jesus just told him the night before, there will be no loss of life. And he went and told that to the captain and they didn't listen. Paul's like, great, now I got to float around out here with these yahoos because they wouldn't listen to me. And, but I still know I'm not going to die. So what, what was he doing? Holding on to the cross. Holding fast. And you know what? When he washed up on the island called Malta, do you know today, the island of Malta per capita in 2019 has the most Christians of anywhere in the world. Because when Paul got done floating on the driftwood, he went, the direction is forward. I'm wet, I'm soggy, it doesn't matter. Let's build this fire, build this fire. The viper that struck him, do you know that species isn't in existence today? And that, that's you, that's your authority. If you will just hold on like it's a piece of driftwood and your life depends on it. And the life of everyone else with Paul depended on him holding fast. So it isn't about you. Everyone that's attached to you in every way that you don't even know is watching you or is coming behind you. Maybe Jesus tarries and we go home to meet him. And the next generation, what books will they read about us? Will they have any Catherine Coleman's and Oral Roberts and Maria Woodworth others and Brother Hagen's in this generation? Or will they still be pulling out those books because the Jack Myers and the Andrews and the Matts and the Marie's and the Melanie's did nothing for the kingdom of God? And we lost a whole generation because we wouldn't do one simple thing. Jesus said, hold fast. Let everything else go. Even your offenses, even your unforgiveness, your bitterness, because it'll sink you. Just hold fast to that which I've given you. Keep it. And when I've given you it, you'll get more for that. But if you don't hold fast, even that which I take, ta that which you had will be taken from you. And so we've only got one life, right? We want to make the most of it. So say this, I'm going to hold it. Are you okay? You have a few toes left. So that thing, that list listed 10 things to hold on to. Remember, how do we hold on to it? By our obedience, by doing those things, not just going, okay, I memorize the list. No, just do it. As you do it, you'll memorize it because it's second nature. We don't need to have the memorization. We just need to put it on the inside of us and, and it gets recalled by the Holy Spirit. So uh, we were to hold on to instruction, what's good, sound words, confidence, rejoicing, hope, profession, what you have already, repentance. You were to hold on to repentance, repent often, frequently, quickly, and your crown. So I like to say it like this in closing. This is a partnership, not a sole proprietorship. You will never be waiting on God. The verse that says, people that, well, God, didn't God say, wait on the Lord and renew my strength? Yeah, that was a waiting during your prayer time. As God is filling, we have that air every Sunday night. We are sitting in God's presence. We are not waiting on God to do something. We are waiting respectfully and reverently as God fills our earthen vessel with treasure so we go pour out on Monday. Not a, I'm just waiting on God to do something. God's like, I'm just waiting on them to do something. <laughs> Angels, when do you, they're taking bets up in heaven when you're going to get up. Off your blessed assurance. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm going to ask him, Angel, what did you do? How much? Yeah, I put $100 on Johnny that he's going to do something this year. Yeah. A partnership, not a sole proprietorship. He saves, I accept. He heals, I receive. He provides, I multiply. He says it, I believe it. I pray, he gives the inspiration. I praise, he gives the plans. I read, he gives the revelation. I study, he approves. He gives the ability, I'm responsible for the productivity. He provides the purpose, I'm responsible for the passion. He provides the destiny, I'm responsible for arriving at the destination. Amen? So let's stand up. Take the hands of the person next to you because this is your family. This is your unit, your company in the military. And let's make this profession, if you want to, you don't have to say it, of our faith to the Lord. Because why I always like you to open your mouth to the word is because uh, if you walk out of here and you don't open your mouth to something, probably by the end of lunch you've forgotten even what the subject was, much less the title or the topic. Because the thief comes. 
So when you, you want to open your mouth to the word. When you're listening to a podcast or you're reading your Bible, you want to par- start participating in the taking it. I see that, Lord. That's good, Lord. That's me. And your personal devotions alone. And when, you're listen- when I listen to a podcast and they say, say this, I say, I'm right there. What are we doing? We're raising our hands. We're practicing, praying in tongues. I'm engaging and I'm participating in the taking of it because my mouth is my reacher in the spirit. So the, the, when I show you this every time I speak, that you're to participate in that, you can do that uh, all day long with whatever the word you're hearing. That's why that's what you want to be hearing because the more you hear that, the more you're participating. The less you're listening to the, you know, achy, breaky heart stuff on the radio and other things. Uh, And again, you ever notice how people are participating in that? Well, don't tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart. Yeah. Yeah. Circumvented the globe 14 times because that took more than two seconds. Boom, it rang. That's and you wonder why, why is my heart broken all the time? Why? Because you engage and participate in everything that you say. So I always like you to so close your eyes and just repeat after me. And you say this to Jesus, Father, we commit to obey your instructions and to hold fast. We will not lay them down, lay them aside, or forget them, treating them lightly. I hold fast. Because my life and the lives of others depends on it. And when you come, you will find me faithful at my post, holding it in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, I'm going to hold it. All right. You don't have to hold See you at 630. Hey, and stop by the Source Center and take care of business. Love ya. Go grow and I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.